Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Fix your gaze on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving. Fix your gaze on Jesus. He's moving in this place. Thank you, Lord. He's moving in your home. There's no distance in the spirit. He's moving. He's moving. Changing lives. He's moving. Touching souls. He's moving. Healing men. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. He's moving. He's moving. Don't limit the Holy Spirit. He's where you are. He's lifting burdens. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's lifting burdens. He's taking away shame. He's restoring glory. He's wiping away tears. He's comforting many. Tonight is exceptional. Begin to thank the Holy Spirit. 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 He's a person. He's not a force. He's a person. He's here. He's a person with emotions, with intellect. He can feel what you're feeling. Thank the Holy Spirit right now. Father, we thank you. We commit the program into your hands and we pray that you take absolute control. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. You're welcome once again to our midweek service to eChurch. And we are hosting this from the City of Favor Temple on the mountain of God. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor. Invite somebody right now. Share the link to somebody right now. Tell somebody about this e-church. Someone needs to join. Someone's miracle depends on what is happening here tonight. Connect somebody. Share the link. Call somebody. And God would richly bless you. Hallelujah. We're going to have a great time in God's presence. And so I want you to prepare your spirit, your soul, your body, and stay connected. Praise the Lord Jesus. Wow. Now, tonight I have with me some beautiful ladies and handsome men as my panelists. And we are going to bring the word of God to you with power and glory. So I want you to 
activate your faith so you can receive. Hallelujah. Now, I'm still dealing with the subject of fruitfulness. And tonight I'm going to attempt to complete the topic on fruitfulness um, as we bring the month to a close. But last Sunday, the Lord took us on a journey in church and we learned some very marvelous things in the message. And so I would like my panelists to share with us what actually ministered to them in the service, what they took home. Um, perhaps by sharing, your faith will be built up again. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to start from my immediate left, um, our own lady pastor is going to share with us what she learned or what ministered to her in the service. So, Lady Pastor Lois, how was your week? By God's grace. It's been good so it's far. Been good so far, yes. Amen. Amen. All right, so share with us what did you glean from the message on Sunday? Amen. I would like to appreciate our apostle for this opportunity to be on set today. It's always a blessing to be with you in ministering. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, Sunday's message meant a lot of things to me because um, I think the subject of eternity or the subject of the second coming of Christ is um, one of the topics that personally I every day deal with like think about is always in my consciousness so it was such a blessing to be revived and to go into the scriptures of the things that the Lord expects us to do as believers concerning the second coming of the Lord and the fact that we are supposed to be on guard and to prepare for his coming. I think what stuck with me was the fact that um, the word said or in your ministration you say that we should live every day as if it was the last you know, um, live as if today was a day that Jesus was going to come. Because I have realized that in as much as we are chasing after God or we are chasing after um, expanding the kingdom, as we are building the kingdom, as we try to win more souls for Christ, as we are into church planting or kingdom business, um, it's one of the things that if you are not careful, you will go ahead and leave behind. The fact that you yourself as a vessel, as a minister, must be prepared for the second coming of the Lord, number one. So the prompting or the urging that we should live personally. And sometimes when the word is coming, if you are a minister, you may not take the word for yourself. You may feel it's a word for you to go and dish out to your souls or your yeah. members but it, it's it's a, a clarion call to us mm. as ministers as christians number one to live every day as if it's the day that jesus christ is mm. coming and as the word said he said that he's going to come like a thief in the night mm. so it's something that when i remember all the time it really puts me on my toes i begin to ask myself what am i doing mm. what am i saying how am i acting that may not be in line with the expectation of Christ when he's coming. Mm. So for me, that is what stuck with me and 
has been in my meditation throughout that live today as if it's the day that Jesus returns. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Live every day as if that day was the day Jesus was going to come. Um, very powerful, um, very straightforward, and very instructive. Um, okay, so let's move straight to our own dear pastor at Missions Temple, um, Pastor Dennis Ametepe. Um, how was your day? Um, thank you so much, Apostle, um, for the opportunity. My day has been good so far. Okay. We've been on a number of assignments as you have <laughs> led us on. Okay. It's, it's been a blessing. Okay. You went to pursue today? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. It was great. All right. So, church, we are building um, a temple in Prusso. I mean, Prusso is a community that has never seen a church since its inception. And uh, by the grace of God, we are building one uh, for them. So, we started the project yesterday. Yes, please. And then you continue today. Continue today. All right. I'm going to do an official sword cutting tomorrow. So, if you are free and you have time, let's go. Um, it's going to be a great moment. Um, all right, so tell us, Pastor Dennis, what um, ministered to you? You preached at Sphincters. Yes, please. What ministered to you in the message? All right, thank you so much. Um, yesterday's message was a blessing to me personally. It actually reminded me of the scripture, Amos chapter 4, verse 12, that says, mm -hmm. I've seen your deeds, prepare to meet your God. And so when I saw the title of the message, I was like, wow, mm. it's a message directly to me. I should prepare to meet my God. Mm. And how am I going to prepare? And that's what you know, took my mind back as to how to prepare as you outlined in the sermon. And one of the things that really spoke to me was um, that we should encourage one another as we await the coming of Christ. Mm. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says that then the Lord will return and with a shout and when he shouts the dead in christ are going to rise up and we who are alive will join him and we should encourage one another with these words it's actually reminded me of the fact that many of us may have lost loved ones and we are thinking how are we going to find them again and we think that's the end of it but this scripture reminds us of the fact that very soon jesus is going to come and the people that we lost in the faith we are going to see them again and Hallelujah. so we shouldn't live as people without hope but rather with people with a sense of hope mm. and faith that whoever we lost in the faith, we are going to see them again. Mm. So in as much as we await Christ's coming, we know that we are going to see the loved ones again. We are going to see the wonderful people again. And it's a blessed hope that we can always rely on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm sure uh, Pastor Dennis is eager to meet some people, <laughs> some loved ones. Yeah. Well, that's quite interesting, but hey, that's also powerful um, that we'll be reunited with loved ones who departed um, before us, um, if the Lord tarries. So that's awesome. Um, okay, so let's move on to my immediate right. I have the coordinator of the campus ministry, um, CGL Davis. Um, popularly known as Kojo Karis, um, very phenomenal gentleman, abounding in the work of God, doing exploits with the campus ministry. And today, I decided to invite him to uh, the set. Um, CGL, how are you? I'm fine. Okay, great. You're looking smart. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right, so tell us, what did you 
Um, you preached on the Legon campus. Yes, sir. Okay. So what really ministered to you in the, in the service? I would like to say a very big thank you to you, my man of God, the Apostle Randy Impact for inviting me to be part of the panel. It's a privilege. I don't take it lightly. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Amen. Um, what ministered to me in the message was the point number three, that we have to be very discerning. In the, in the book of Mark chapter 13, Jesus Christ consistently cautioned his disciples that there's going to be a time that there will be false teachers and there will be false prophets to lead many astray but they have to be very discerning so that they will not be led astray and it's one of the print one of the things that we need to take note in preparing for the second coming of jesus christ for us as an for us as a ministry i believe we have an apostle that God has given to us according to scriptures for he gives some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, teachers and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. For us, we have an apostle and we believe that this ministry is a word-based ministry that teaches us the word of God, cautions us about eternity and salvation. And so for us, we are blessed and we happen to find ourselves under your leadership guiding us all the time so that we don't go astray so it's very expedient for us believers we are sojourners we we have a place to go and while we are waiting on the second coming of jesus we ought to be very discerning so thank you very much that's what's ministered to me in the message and i'm grateful to you sir god bless you all right awesome be discerning because many false prophets and false teachers have gone ahead and um, to be prepared means that you need to watch out be on the lookout for such people um, you don't just attend any church um, you must ensure that the Spirit of God is in the church and that the church is passionate about the things that Jesus Christ is passionate about so be discerning last but not the least we are going to hear from a wonderful lady um, who is also a member at our HQ City of Favor um, Temple on what she learned or what ministered to her on Sunday from the sermon. Um, so, um, Perpetual, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, sir. Great. What did you learn or what ministered to you on Sunday? Thank you, sir, for the opportunity to be on set with you this evening. And thank you for the opportunity to be relevant in the house of the Lord. On Sunday, the message was about preparing ourselves to meet our maker, to meet Jesus Christ. And I believe that on su Sunday's message, you know, was timely. You know, for some time now, um, this message keeps coming. Our men of God always prompting us on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most often than not, a lot of people would not take this seriously because when we were young, we heard about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now we are old. We are getting old. In fact, we live in the ageless zone, but you know we are growing in age, and still so the Lord has not come. So some will not take this seriously, but as the Lord has said, 
the, the word of God is an absolute reality. The word of God does not fail. He is coming. He said he is coming for a church without spots, a church without wrinkle or any such thing. And so if we are preparing ourselves to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, then we should be in that stature in order for us to be rapturable. One thing that was very striking to me was the first point you gave. You said, live by the faith you profess. I want to share this testimony, if you permit me. Go ahead. Okay, thank you, sir. I found myself in a reality show that was 2018. Mm. I felt it was okay for me to go. But all you see is not all there is. So as a Christian, I found myself there. Then I had a call from a pastor. They said, why did you, you know, make such a decision? I felt it was okay. I called a pastor friend, a campus ministry pastor, and then she was like, okay, she's done her background investigation, everything, and then it was okay for me to go. Lo and behold, I got there and I felt no. Live by the faith you profess. I realized that everything that happened there was opposite what I believed in. Everything I saw on television was not what it, it was. So every now and then, my producers to tell me, were you forced to be here? And I wasn't bothered. I wasn't bored. At a point, I told them I wanted to be out of the competition because I felt that the kind of things they did, I couldn't do because this is not the faith I profess. If I want to live by the faith I profess, then I'm not going to fit in. In fact, it was very challenging. And to those who watched me on television, they knew that Peppy was not okay. And even after the competition, when I came, people were expecting me to change. People were expecting me to live some kind of lifestyle, to, to live to some expectation. But no, I wasn't moved. I had several friends that told me, Peppy, you haven't changed. And I was excited. I was happy in my spirit because at the end of the day, the faith I professed, I lived by it. And this lifestyle I want to live is in preparation to meet my maker, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, there's a lifestyle that is that we are supposed to live. Live by it. Let everybody know that, okay, you believe in this. You are sticking to it. Don't live this way and live that way. My thought was, okay, on campus I was preaching. In the, in the house I'm preaching. When I live this kind of lifestyle on TV and I come home, Am I going to still preach the gospel? Would they listen to me when I'm preaching the word today? Would they, would they, would they really listen? And everybody knew I was always, they were always talking anyhow to me because I wasn't ready to live the, the, the kind of lifestyle, the kind of things they, they were doing. And I was okay. And I thank God that I was able to do that. And it hasn't changed me. It hasn't, it hasn't had any toll on me. And then I'm living normal as a Christian. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity to share wow. my testimony and what I learned. Wow, that's a powerful testimony. Powerful, powerful testimony. God bless you for sharing. That's powerful. Um, Bible says that do not be conformed any longer to the standards of this world. Romans chapter 12. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, um, as she shared with us, she lived by the faith she professed. And let me tell you this. Um, these things that God has um, instructed us to do has cost attached to it. If you decide to live by the faith you profess in this corrupt world, 
you're going to have a backlash. But you see, we are not living for the world. We are living and preparing ourselves for our master, our dear, our dear Lord Jesus, the one who is coming in the skies to rapture us together with him into his kingdom. So um, our losses on this earth is again in eternity. Hallelujah. And so these are the things we learned on Sunday. And I hope that for those of you who have forgotten the word, you have revised and you're going into um, the world with the word of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, um, I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to get into the word. And I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to um, pick your notepads and your pens. I told you that writing is prophetic. And so um, I'm going to get into the word for the day. Um, Pastor Dennis has a question for me. And so um, I would allow him to ask the question before I get into the word. It's a teaching service. It's midweek. It's e-church. So um, relax and receive um, the unadulterated word of God, which has power to transform you. All right, Pastor Dennis, um, what's your question? Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. So through your teachings, um, I began to ask myself some questions. So with regards to Genesis 1, the Bible says we should be fruitful. Yeah. And so I want to ask, why are many people unfruitful? Mm. Is it that the word of God is not true mm. or that people lack faith mm. in, in, in the word of God in becoming fruitful? All right. Um, that's a very good question. Um, shows that a student, the student is paying attention. Now, before I answer that question, um, he's asking why many people are not fruitful. Um, when the Lord has said in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, that be fruitful, you see. So why then are many people not fruitful? Why are we not seeing fruit in the life of many people? Remember, I define fruitfulness as increase, as producing a desirable what results or producing a desirable result. So um, when you look at the lives of many people, um, according to Pastor Dennis, he's not seeing much fruit in the life of many people. Um, before I go there, and I'm sure you are interested in that as well, why are we not fruitful? Is God a liar or his word is not potent enough to transform us? Um, I would like to deal with this because on Sunday when I was teaching, I was talking about something, but I could not land. And I did not have the opportunity of time to get deep into it. But it's something that um, the church needs to hear. It's, it's a word that you need in this critical season. Um, and I want to touch on it before I go to his question. Um, I want to touch on faith and works. Faith and works. Because even before I answer that question, I think that there's a connection with this and, and the question he just asked. Um, and, you know, to also buttress what um, Perpetual said about living, professing, um, living by what you profess as a Christian. You see, um, it borders on faith, you know, what you confess and how you live is faith. 
So I really want to touch on faith and works. Um, faith and works. And I, I believe that the Holy Spirit will bring some light to you. All right. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 14, 12 to 15. All right. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will even do greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now, listen to this. The Word of God is saying, and this is, these are the words of Jesus Christ. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. All right, before I get in there, read the other one, 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. Wow. Now, while I was coming, the Holy Spirit dropped this scripture into my spirit and began to speak to me. And, and I find this very refreshing. And that's why I have decided to share this with you because it's a word for you. It's a, it's a now word for you. Now, Bible says that whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. And then he goes on to say, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I thought that was too heavy. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Anything in my name, and I will do it. 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, two things were revealed to me according to this scripture. Two things. And I want you to pay attention. The first part, verses 12, is saying, whoever believes in Jesus will do the works he has been doing. Whoever believes in Jesus will do the works he has been doing. Now, this is faith. All right? This is faith. Because the proof of our faith, the proof of our faith in Jesus Christ is seen in our works, not our convictions. I'll take it again. The proof of our faith in Jesus Christ is seen in our works not in our convictions. It says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. So if you want to know who believes in Jesus Christ, you just have to look at the works of the person. You see that? So the works is what confirms the faith. The works is what confirms the faith. If you want to measure the faith of a person, you cannot do it without works. In fact, the works of a person is the proof of the faith they have. So Jesus is linking works to convictions. He says, 
if they say they believe in me, then their belief will be demonstrated by their works. Hallelujah. You see, and he says, and they will even do greater things than these. So, he's just telling us that our belief is in different measures. By the different levels of works we produce. But our faith is faith when it's consistent with the works of Jesus Christ. Now, there are different kinds of works. But Jesus is specific here. He said, the works I have been doing. So it also tells us that faith is anchored on Christ or in Christ. Faith is not faith if it is not anchored, if the belief system is not anchored in Christ. So when we talk about faith, we are talking about believing in Jesus Christ to the extent where you are doing the works he's doing. It means that until you do the works that Jesus did, you don't believe. So I've seen people who say that, I believe, but it is in my heart. That is not faith. According to the scripture, that is not faith. Your belief cannot be in your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Your belief, it, it cannot be in your heart. Bible says that whoever believes in me, you see, the belief has to be sealed with works. They will do the works I have been doing. Now, this is, this is so profound. Because there are many people working about professing faith. But have no works to prove their faith. And that is no faith at all. If you want to see the faith of a man. Because faith is intangible. You have to see it from the point of their works. You know, the book of Hebrews says that faith is a substance. So the first manifestation of faith is substance. Faith is not an intangible conviction. Faith, if you want to see faith, you have to see works. Works is what justifies faith. So it's a faith is a substance of things hoped for. The things hoped for cannot be seen. It cannot be touched. But faith gives expression to conviction. So the moment we talk about faith, it's not about an intangible feeling in the heart. You know, people say, I'm believing God. That's not faith. That's not faith. We know faith from the point of works, not from the point of belief. So many people think they have faith, but they have not scratched the surface of faith. What they have is not faith, it's conviction. Some people also say, I'm trusting God. That's not faith. Trusting God is not faith. It's a conviction. But until you move your conviction into works, God does not consider what you are feeling as faith. So people say that, well, I've believed God for a long time, but nothing is happening. Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh must first know that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So it means that faith doesn't fail. Do you see that? Faith cannot fail. So if your faith has failed, you have to check the kind of faith you had. 
If you are believing God, it will fail. Because God did not say we should believe him. He said, he, he said that if you, if you believe in me, you will do. So faith is an action. Bible says faith is a substance. A substance is something you can touch. Faith has expression. So you cannot stay in one corner of your room. For example, you are looking for a job. You have put in your application. And then you are saying, I'm believing God. You see, that's a certain expression of conviction. You are forgetting that others have put in the application. They are also believing God. So in that situation, who should God favor? The one with faith. And the one with faith is the one that applies action to their conviction. Many Christians stay in the place of belief. But faith is incomplete in the realm of belief. Many people misconstrue belief as faith. Belief is a realm. It's the initiation point of faith. Are you here with me at all? Yeah. Belief is the starting point of faith. You can believe without having faith. <laughs> you can believe without having faith. They are not the same things. That's why Jesus was careful to say, if you believe, you will do. The moment we are talking about faith, we are talking about works. You see, but many people do not see the glory of God because they stop at belief. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, this is it. He says that by the measure of the faith they have, they will demonstrate a certain measure of works. So if you want to, you can actually know the faith of a person by the works they demonstrate. Not by their talk. You see, by the works they demonstrate. So if you want to really measure the faith of two Christians, you don't have to listen to them. You have to look at their works. Faith is a substance. You see, so everybody's manifestation, you know, we all have accepted Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, but we work differently. There are some that have accepted this Jesus and have taken onto the mission field and have raked in a million souls. You see, their faith is different from your faith. By their works, they have more faith than the one who has just accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior and believing God for a car. So faith is defined by the works that Jesus did. People think they have faith because they have four cars. They have ten houses. You see, this is where you are trying to adulterate faith. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will not own the things that I wish that they will own, but they will do. So, faith is complete. Genuine faith is complete in works. Not just any kind of work, but works that Jesus did. Now, this brings us also to the fact that I'm still talking about faith. Alright? I'm still talking about faith. 
And I'm saying that to believe is not faith. But what I'm trying to say is that to believe is the starting point of faith. That's not what produces results. It is, it is the door of faith. To believe is the door of faith. Is the door of faith. But there's a kind of faith where people believe, but they don't act on their belief. And we have many Christians like that. There's no action to their faith. There are Christians who say, we believe in Jesus Christ, but they've never won a soul. What kind of faith is that? Indeed, they believe in Jesus Christ. But it's a certain kind of faith. You see, but that's not the kind of faith that produces results. That's not the kind of faith that pleases the Lord. The Lord is specific with the kind of faith that pleases him. He says, he who believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. <laughs> so that's how Christ defines those who have genuine faith. So the kind of faith that believes but does not act on belief is called dead faith. You see, it's a faith, but it is dead. You see, so you can have a certain kind of faith that is dead. Hallelujah. You can have a certain kind of faith, but the faith is dead. Why is it dead? Because you initiated the faith, but you could not complete the faith. You see, you initiated the faith, but you did not complete the faith. It's like stillbirth. You see, you went through labor pains, but you did not have a live baby. <laughs> you see. So you can't say, I have a child. But you can say, I went through labor. But faith is supposed to produce life. Faith is supposed to bring results. But the kind that produces results is the kind that does the works that Jesus did. So many people have seeing faith as a vague thing. I'm believing God for a car. I'm believing God for a house. I'm believing, you see, they are scratching the surface of faith. They are moving outside the, the regiment of faith. Faith has been defined clearly by Jesus Christ. If you believe in me, then the proof of your faith is in the works I did. Read James chapter 2 for me. James chapter 2. Let me show you something. James chapter 2. Verse 14 to 20. Yeah. James 2, 14, 20. What good is it? What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. You see, faith is supposed to bring profit. Now, he's saying that what does it profit? What does it profit? If someone says he has faith. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. You see, He's supposed to say if someone believes but does not justify their belief by works. But James is calling it faith. But then in the end, when you read further, you realize that he ends by saying it is a faith. It started but it could not live. So it's called dead faith. So continue reading. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. 
but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? That's also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. You see, so you can actually, hey, believe, believe God. But then God says it's not faith. Because God is believing you. Do you get it? God, faith has to do with the action that a man must take because of his confidence in God. Not a conviction that God is going to do something for the man. So this is where faith dies. The moment faith is not applied, it dies. Because man gives impetus to faith. Man's action gives life to faith. So when man fails to act on his conviction, he says if someone comes to you and they are naked, and they are destitute, and you say, peace be unto you. I'm believing God, that God will provide for you. God will provide all your need. You see, you are looking spiritual. You see, but that's religion. You can form spirituality. <laughs> you see, but God is actually expecting you to solve the problem of the person. That's faith. That's why when you read Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, they were men that acted. They were not men that were talking. They acted on their confidence. But you see, religious people, they wait for God to come and solve a problem. Meanwhile, God has given you the power and the dominion to act in confidence and by that you begin to see results so james says that that kind of faith you know um in our local language we say you see that's a clear example of what dead faith you see, it's a kind of faith the person has a certain conviction they believe that god is going to do it 2021 they believe that god was going to do it 2022, they believe that God is going to do it. They are still believing that God is going to do it. That's why in the definition of faith, the Bible says now faith is. You see, faith deals with the present. Now and is. Hope is about the future. So when you are dealing with faith, you are constrained with time. Faith is acting now because you have confidence in God. And it works when it is now. So if you don't act on it, it becomes dead. And dead faith produces no results. And many people are living their lives by dead faith. They keep postponing what they are supposed to act on today. They keep believing that, oh, it will happen. Something out of the blue will happen. But if you're a Bible student, you will realize that God doesn't work that way. Yeah. God, I mean, if you look at the miracles that happen in the Bible, the number of people that follow Jesus and the number of people who saw his glory, the, the multitude followed Jesus, but only a few saw his glory. 
Because only a few acted on the confidence they had in him. You know, when you read the book of Luke, it talks about um, a man who was at the pool Bethsaida, the pool of Bethsaida. The Bible says that he waits every year for an angel to what? Stir the waters. That's how a lot of believers behave. They wait for the stirring of the water. They wait for a move of God. They wait for a revival. They wait for an emotional experience. You know, for something to come upon them, then they will be charged up and they will begin to pray. <laughs> you know, you meet people, you ask them, why are you not joining the prayer meeting? So lately I've become slow. How can the Christian become slow? How can the Christian become slow? Because see, they are waiting for a certain experience. The Bible says for 38 years. That means he was there before Jesus was born. He was there before Jesus was born. Jesus grew and he was still at the lake, at the, you know, at the place. He was still at the pool. And many Christians are still in this situation. And you see, the Bible says that the man was bitter within him. Because he thinks God is not acting. When God has actually given him a faith for him to act on. So when Jesus appeared to this man, he said, do you want to be made whole? And that's the language of faith. What do you want from the Lord and when do you want it? Faith says now. If you want it now, rise up and pray. If you want it now, rise up and give. You see, the giving of a person is the proof of their faith. There's nobody that says, I have faith, but I don't give. That's dead faith. But when Jesus said, do you want to be made well? He said, I've been here for a long time. Many people come my way and they don't help me. I have no man to help me. So people who have this conviction are looking forward to someone to help them. And there are many Christians who are looking forward for a man to help them. You see, anybody operating like that is operating dead faith. They can never see results. David said, our help is from above. Our help is from above. Hallelujah. Amen. We are not insufficient. We have the helper with us. So for a Christian to say, I am waiting for someone to come and help me. It is, I mean, that's where faith died. Because Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. And we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have help. In fact, the helper himself is with us. So faith can be dead. And that is when you fail to act upon it. If a Christian does not evangelize, He's operating dead faith. If a Christian does not pray, he's operating dead faith. His belief is not complete. He cannot see results. If a Christian is not fasting, he's operating dead faith. Now, the number of souls you are winning is proof of the faith you have in Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we can actually measure faith 
through works. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, the second thing that I want you to know is that working for the Lord, right, guarantees 100% answered prayers. Working for the Lord guarantees 100% answered prayers. What does it mean? The moment faith becomes complete, prayers are answered. So the secret to answered prayers is not just because we prayed. Not all prayers are answered. The prayers that are answered is found here. Verses 13 of John chapter 14. It says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see? So if God is going to do whatever you ask in his name, there's a condition. You must have faith. That's why he, say, he, he says that, yes. If you do the works I've been doing, then you may ask me for anything in my name. He's telling you that if you are not doing the works that I have been doing, don't ask me anything in my name because I'll not respond. Now, many people say, I pray, but I don't see answers. This is the answer. Jesus doesn't mince words. He's quite specific and direct with his instructions. So people say prayer doesn't work. Some people say, I've prayed, uh, but, you know, and when people get frustrated, they begin to jump from place to place. Because they think that answered prayers is in a man. Answered prayers is in a principle. It's not in any man. No man can cause God to answer a prayer. <laughs> Bible says that his word has he exalted above his name. God himself has brought, he has brought himself under his word. Under the authority of his word. You cannot move God by your emotion. You cannot move God by your pulchritude. You cannot move God by your money. You move God by his word. So the reward of faith you see the reward of faith is 100% answered prayer this provision is given to those who are doing the works of Jesus Christ not, the, not those in church that's why we have this inconsistency in church because you see you need to delve deep into the word of God to know the provisions that has been made and this proves that God doesn't answer all of us Regardless of our prayers, he answers us based on who is meeting the requirement. He hmm. says, the works I have been doing. And the works he has been doing is not gymming. <laughs> it's not gymming. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, specifically the works he has been doing. You can be a Christian and not do the works Jesus was doing. And that's, that's risky. But look at the wonderful provision. It says, you may ask me for anything in my name. Wow. Wow. This is when we begin to ask for what men call the impossible. Before you begin to ask Jesus 
for anything. Or because before you begin to ask God for anything, check your faith. <laughs> check your faith. If it's just a conviction, a belief system, it will forget the question. It will, God will not move. It's not by going to church. It's by doing the works. And chief of, of those works is so winning. That's why, listen to me, evangelists seem to have more results than prophets. That's a very powerful statement. Yeah. Outward manifestation. Those who do the work of an evangelist, now you can be a prophet and still choose because the provision has been made blank. Anybody can key into this. If you're a prophet, you can do the works of Jesus Christ. If you are a teacher, you can do the works of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you teach the works of Jesus Christ. I'm saying you do the works of Jesus Christ. So the reward is in the works, not in the words. So there are many people who say we have faith. Actually don't have faith. They have conviction. And conviction doesn't produce results. It initiates you. It propels you into the highest dimension of faith. And that's what works. James says, oh foolish man, do you not know that faith without works? So it means that to have a conviction and not act upon the conviction puts you in the realm of foolishness. <laughs> so by the time you are saying, I'm believing God, heaven is responding, foolish man. <laughs> the same James says, do you not know that demons also believe? So to base your entire Christian experience on belief is to operate like a demon. It is not our portion. The proof of faith is works and not just works, works of Jesus Christ. So if you want to see answered prayers, if you want to see the results, the promises of God in your life, take up the work of Jesus Christ. Yes. Take up. He says, then you may ask anything in my name. So the prayer of an evangelist is, is a very dangerous prayer. I'm telling you, the prayer of a soul winner is a unique prayer. Now, before I came into ministry, I, I was a businessman. You see, these things are God's reality. Before I came into ministry, I was a businessman. I knew how far my prayer could go. I was a Christian businessman. But I knew, I knew the, 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 the extent to which my prayer could go. I tested my prayer. There were many things I asked for. I never saw it. Not because I didn't have faith. But you see, the works was not consistent with my faith. And not just any works. You see, works of Jesus Christ. Works of Jesus Christ. There must be, you know, faith must be anchored. You know, there are people, there's, there's a realm of no faith. No faith is where you don't believe in Jesus Christ. So that's, that, that's it. There are people who don't believe. There are people who believe, but their belief is dead. Because they don't act on it. You see? Because when I was a businessman, I was not doing the works of Jesus Christ. 
chief of which is so winning. I was a business, I was a Christian businessman, but I was not a soul winner. There were certain things I never saw in my life. But when I stepped foot here as a soul winner, nothing really changed. But my obedience became complete as a Christian. You can be a Christian and a disobedient one. Like I always say, um, no caring father will give his brand new car to an eight-year-old. You can't handle it. Disobedient Christians cannot handle the glory of God. So you see, nothing really changed. I did not really increase in anointing. You see, I keyed into a provision. So I noticed that my prayer was beginning to yield a certain kind of result. There was a divine energy around my prayer. Why? Now I'm praying from the standpoint of the works of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, one time by the ninth month when we came here, the kids were disturbing me. You know, they wanted DSTV, they wanted this and all of that. Because we had left a crowd, we're now here, and all these things were not there. And when I came here, my dad gave us one room. We left a five-bedroom house, and we came here. So by the ninth month, I remember very well, the ninth month, we, I decided to go around and um, look out for a house, you know, a more comfortable house, a more spacious house a five-bedroom house um, so that my kids would be comfortable because we had stayed in one bedroom for nine months. Now, look at this. I'm showing you something. I'm showing you something. I'm showing you something. You may ask me for anything in my name. You see? So what happened is, out of the pressure, I went with mommy. We drove around. And then I entered into a place, um, a big lawn, like a two-acre lawn with a beautiful house sitting on it. But it looked like the house um, was inhabited. It looked like someone was living in the house. It, it was too beautiful to be left alone. So when I drove into the compound and I saw the house, it looked a bit imposing for the community we are living in, you know. So I actually told mommy that um, I, don't, I don't want any embarrassment, so let us go. Because we've, we've entered into somebody's compound. But when we entered, I said in my heart, I want this house. That's what I, I said in my heart. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. So we drove off. We didn't spend more than five minutes on that compound. We drove off. Eight days exactly, a man walked into my office and said, where do you live? What a question. Where do you live? I said, I live in my, my father's room. And he said, no, you deserve better than that. I'm talking about the, the rewards of faith. He said, follow me. Out of respect, I followed him. We, he just took us directly to the place 
I went eight days ago. And he said, do you like this? I said, how much? He gave me a pat at the back. He said, come on. There's no price to it. Hallelujah. Faith is a currency. We use it to buy things in the spirit. So by the time I'm winning souls, I know that anything I ask God, he's going to provide it for me. We are not winning souls because, you know, people say, well, um, you know, um, heaven needs to be populated. God would have used um, Machion to populate the entire heaven. Why did he die and leave sinners with us? Because, you see, the sinner is the point of my connection to receiving the promises of God. When we talk about soul winning, we are not talking about a laborious work where it's like God needs men and so there's nobody and so um, we need to do it anyway because if we don't do it, who do it? And though we are tired, we still need to do it. You see, you are approaching soul winning without faith. When you look through the scripture, soul winning is a key, it's a window through which we enter the promises of God. That's why Daniel says that they that be wise, they will shine like the firmament. Proverbs 11.30 says, he that wins souls is wise. There's a wisdom avenue in soul winning. So we don't win souls and become tired. The more we win souls, the more we build collateral to have access to ask for anything. Oh boy. The man said you can, you can have the house until you have capacity to build your own. He said, I actually, look, he said, I actually built it as my pension house. But I've always wanted somebody to do the work of God in this community. And since you are doing it, the least I can do is to give you a place to live. Fully finished. I brought in only my sofas and my television. Beds everywhere. Everything in the house. What am I talking about? You know, you are living in a place, they are evicting you. You see, your landlord is actually kicking you out. And you have taken your name. You see, you have taken your, the, your landlord's name <laughs> to a prayer meeting. And you are binding your landlord. You see, you don't understand the dynamics of faith. Those who ask for anything in the name are those who have fulfilled the requirements of faith. They are those that are doing the works of Jesus Christ. By faith, what do I mean by by faith? By doing the works of Jesus Christ, I acquired 24 acres of land. How could I have done that? The impetus came from the fact that I have fulfilled that obligation. It gives you confidence. So soul winning is not a drudgery thing. You can do soul winning without faith. You know, you can do soul winning like um, they have put a certain pressure on you. You can do it with joy. Every soul you win, you know I have a provision. 
at least to answer prayers. So when I look at the number of my souls and I go before God, I know I'll not be denied this. There are people who make prayers. You see, their prayers travel with the speed of light. Because their prayers is backed with faith. Bible says without faith, you cannot please God. What pleases God? The soul pleases God. So faith has every connection to do with soul winning. That's why Jesus pleased God. Because he did the will of God. And the will of God was to bring all men to the saving knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, that's it about faith and works. That's it about faith and works. So we measure faith in the lens of the works of Jesus Christ. Every other thing is not faith. You know, you can have ambitions and desires and think it is faith. I'm believing God for a private jet. I'm believing God for this. I, I'm, I'm going to rule the world. Upon what? Upon what principle? That's why many people make confessions, but those confessions don't manifest in anything. I'm a child of God. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a that. I'm a this. But then, the proof is when you hit the ground. That's a person of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a person of faith. Yeah, that's faith. The apostles had faith because they continued in the works of Jesus Christ. You define faith from that, from that place. The, the, the life of the Acts of the Apostles. They lived for Jesus Christ. That's why everything they pray, the miracles, the healings, all of it was stemming out of obedience in Christ. You see? And that's what we call faith. You can have abstract faith. Faith that is not anchored on Christ. Faith that is triggered by jealousy, by envy, by a faith born out of the flesh. Because you see someone um, having a certain thing, so I, I, I'm believing God. If God did it for this, he would do it for me. Who told you that's how God operates? You know, and some people say, well, if God has done it for your neighbor, it means he's close in the neighborhood. <laughs> you see, those are motivational speakings. God doesn't operate like that. Yeah, he doesn't do things because he's in the neighborhood. Listen, an angel of the Lord visited Mary. There's no record that he visited anybody in the neighborhood. Till date, he hasn't visited anybody in the neighborhood. So you are in a church with somebody. The person is progressing, advancing. The person is soaring in dimensions of glory. You say, oh, this person, because I sit by him, I'm the next in line. <laughs> I'm the next in line. I will not rush. I will not, I will not do anything. That's how dead faith talks. Because the person gave, gave an offering, sowed a seed, acting on their faith. Nothing happens until we act on faith. People say, well, because I belong to this church, the blessing will come, and when the blessing comes, all of us will benefit. We are here doing cathedral. You are, you are there sleeping. So it's the same church. It's the same church. Bible says in Acts chapter 2, 
He said, when the Holy Spirit came, listen, the Bible says all of them, all of them were in one accord. They were praying at the same wavelength. Then he says, clothing tongues of fire settled upon each one of them. Why? Each one of them was acting on the word that Jesus said. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. So, the fire settled on only 120. Jesus had more people who believed in him. Remember, he fed 5,000 men. The fire did not settle on them. Why? They did not act on the faith. Only 120 people gathered. Only 120 people saw the promise. But the promise was for all humanity. Okay, what about those who were in Jerusalem? It was the Feast of Pentecost. What about those people? They didn't speak in new tongues. But they were in the neighborhood. So forget this neighborhood business. You can be very close to a man of God and still not see a manifestation of glory in your life. Why? What he's doing is different from what you are doing. God responds to works. There's an opportunity to be a cell leader. That facilitates answers to your prayer. You say, I'll not be a cell leader. I'll, I'm still going to prosper. How is that going to be possible? There's an opportunity to win a soul. Bible says that heaven rejoices when one soul is turned to the Lord. Something that has the capacity to change the temperature of heaven. You see, when a king is happy, he makes promises. That's why the head of John the Baptist was giving on a silver platter. Why? A little girl knew how to turn the heart of a king. What turns the heart of a king? Of our king? So winning. The whole of heaven. There's an uproar in heaven. You can pray all you are praying. You can fast all you are, you are fasting. If you don't do the works of Jesus Christ. You will pray and pray and pray. You will not see results. Praise the Lord Jesus. I think this is, this is all I can teach tonight. This is all I can teach tonight. This is all I can teach tonight. I want you to begin to pray in tongues and tell the Holy Spirit to help your faith. The Holy Spirit can help your faith, can move your faith from dead faith to dynamic faith. Begin to pray. Maybe in the journey, in your journey with the Lord, you have actually operated in dead faith more than dynamic faith. But you are praying in the name of Jesus that Lord, help my faith. Open your mouth and begin to pray. In the name